behind that. If you want to appeal to women, get them gay ships, honey. (laughs) No, if you want to appeal to Fujoshi, get them gay ships. Get some pretty boys with some gay ships. I thought all women otaku were Fujoshi. Oops. and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I just have our chivalry of Shota's Shotaro. I'm wearing an eye patch for October. <laughs> Arr. <laughs> Alright, so before we actually get into what we're talking about tonight, uh, a small bit of news to go over. It's not necessarily a small, but a bit of news to go over. Um, so, uh, last week, at least at the time... As, eh, as of the time of recording this, easy for me to say, um, the Funimation slash Crunchyroll relationship, marriage, whatever you want to call it, that started just over two years ago has officially, or will officially, come to a close starting on November 9th of this year, 2018. Uh, so, I just want to say that us here, well, specifically myself and Natai, predicted this very thing just over a year ago on this very podcast. Um, this was shortly after the Sony acquisition of Funimation, or at least a majority of Funimation. So, yeah, the the marriage is over. The content sharing is going to be over. Um, so it's going to be going off of the the like the bundle service Verve as well. Um, although it was announced at the exact same time that this was announced that the streaming service High Dive will also be joining Verve. Um, it wasn't announced, at least not yet, that this is the same kind of content sharing thing that went on with Crunchyroll and Funimation, but it is definitely going to be bundled onto Verve just like Crunchyroll, or just like Funimation was. So, yeah, if uh, it looks like there's going to be a lot of stuff that was on Crunchyroll from Funimation, it's going to be going away now, so I guess watch it while you can if only all you have is a Crunchyroll subscription. Do you have anything to say about this? I sympathize with Nelly Furtado in uh, asking why do all good things come to an end? Because <laughs> does this mean that the Funimation shows are uh, coming off of the Crunchyroll catalog? If so, RIP. I am uh, spamming the F button. No, really hard. So I do want I do want to 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 clarify something. So I'm actually going to read this from the article. So it says Crunchyroll quote Crunchyroll clarified, however, that currently airing simulcasts and series that premiered during the partnership, including, but not limited to, Attack on Titan and My Hero Academia will still be available on Crunchyroll, and all planned home video releases will still ship as scheduled. Currently airing, honey? I didn't know Attack on Titan was currently airing. I thought it was taking a break. No, aired during the partnership. (laughs) I see. Oh, so everything that aired? It says, including including but not limited to, Attack on Titan and My Hero Academia. So I'm assuming that that... Go, goes with other titles as well yeah well i was mostly like complaining about like the huge catalog of back uh logged stuff that they acquired from funimation because they acquired a metric a shit lot, ton yeah. of stuff yeah and actually over the last year and a half or so <laughs> if, if you were a regular user of crunchyroll you noticed that they have been adding a bunch of old funimation titles that they still had the license to yeah um, and, and on- had also been adding dubs as well Honestly, it's like it becomes way easier to recommend shows when they're available on Crunchyroll because it's just way more accessible. If they're like yeah. locked away in Funimation, it's like it's hard to recommend, honestly, because I can't even recommend a Funimation subscription. So <laughs> <laughs> I can certainly recommend Funimation's like, you know, home video releases because they do a pretty good job with those. But as, so- as far as their streaming service goes, like their standalone streaming service, I can't re- like as much as we complain about Crunchyrolls and Crunchyrolls has started to get better over the last few months. But as much as we complain about that, it's nothing compared to the shit that Funimation's streaming service can be. Yeah, it's. I I had my I had my doubts the second I found out that Sony was acquiring Funimation, so it seems that we were right. So anyway, moving on to what we're actually going to be talking about tonight. Um, so I think before we get started, we'll, we'll mention that this came about because I think it was you 
uh, show who shared a YouTube video a YouTube video with us on the podcast about this very topic that we're going to be talking about, and that is the topic of heteronormativity and forced ships in anime. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely link uh, uh, the YouTube video in question uh, down below in the description, so check that out if you uh, are so inclined. Um, but TLDR of that YouTube video um, has b- basically says that there's there seems to be, in, in fiction writing in general, because... The video doesn't actually specify anime, but in fiction writing in general, there seems to be an apparent obligation creators have to heteronormativity that restricts the quality of the stories that they write, which means that essentially what they're saying is that pairing the MC with a character of the opposite sex that they have no chemistry with is worse than pairing them with someone, a love interest that they might that they might be able to have chemistry with that is coincidentally of the same sex. That's basically what the the YouTube video that we that kind of sparked this whole thing alludes to, I guess, is what you would say. Um, the title, I think, what was the title of the video? Like, all your characters should be bi. Yeah, <laughs> which is like a really clickbaity title, but okay. I think I think the was it somewhere in either the title, the description, or the um, thumbnail. It said, "This is not clickbait." <laughs> yeah, some, it's something like that. I don't think it was that wording exactly, but yeah, it was it was it was something like that. Um, but I think in, in for what we're doing, I think it's really good for us to start out by defining what we mean by heteronormative. So, show what what's the basic definition of, of heteronormativity? I will uh, define this by illustrating a perfect example, which is Crunchyroll and Funimation. Uh, <laughs> Crunchyroll is the woman, and Funimation is um, also female because. It has an F in it for female. And, you know, <laughs> it's forced. No, I'm joking. Um, but, uh, and by the way, Crunchyroll was female because Crunchyroll Hime, if you didn't get that. But no. I, yeah, uh, I, got, I got where you were going with this. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for not everyone. Not all of our viewers are as uh, quick-witted as you, Alex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or have uh, been a Crunchyroll subscriber for almost 10 years. Anyways, um, when we say heteronormative, we mean that, like, you're writing the story, just like Alex said, Assuming all your characters are straight and not really giving the option that there could be characters of other sexualities, just assuming like, oh, I'm going to create this entire cast and they're all going to be straight. Um, I know it sounds weird to say assuming because they're fictional characters, but um, it's not so much assuming. It's like not being open to making your characters uh, non-straight is heteronormative. Yeah. So I think we need to make a distinction here. Like if, if you're writing a story that has like, um, what's the term? Like a, a subplot, uh, like a romance subplot. And it's a, a show full of, of male characters. Like Yuri on Ice is a good example. Like if you have no other great, like, um, uh, like an alternative, that is of an of an opposite gender then i don't think that's necessarily like hetero or homonormative is it oh i'm uh, i thought you were gonna go say that like in shows where it's entirely one um gender in the cast for the most part like uh sports shows i thought you were gonna say that it would make sense to have uh homosexual relationships because well, most I guess... of your characters are of the same sex anyways so you're gonna it, be it... developing characters of the same sex if if they are all of the same sex and and, and perhaps you're right. Um, I mean, I there a lot of actually. Like, I think most sports anime now that I think about it are all single gender shows. Well, uh, do you find that surprising? Most sports are split between men and women, That's and true. it's just it's so forced when like there's the one female manager of the team, and of course she's going to be the one that is the main love interest of the. Uh, of the main character, I of can the think all of, male characters. Yeah, I can think of like Yamuchi Pedal, where there's like this one female manager who like the um the creators really heavily ship with the MC because like she gets like like three scenes over 150 episodes, and all of them are like, oh, I really appreciate MC insert MC name here. They really <laughs> inspire <Kings>. me. <laughs> And that's the entirety of our scene. And then we, we don't see her for 50 episodes. And then she comes back like, don't forget, I like the MC because he inspires me. Yeah. So, and like, that's with like a lot of shows. 
a lot of uh, sports shows. Well, yeah, a lot of sports anime, which also happen to be a shonen, which is a beast in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, look at look at like Naruto or any of like the old big three. Of course, I don't really watch One Piece, so I can't speak to that. But um, like, and actually, the video that we talked about before mentions this. Like, there was way more chemistry between Naruto and Sasuke than between Naruto and Hinata, which I don't support that ship either. But it makes a good point. Yeah, I haven't seen Naruto, so but uh. Naruto and Sasuke look better. Hinata, of Uchi. course, you're gonna think that. Of course. <laughs> um, but yeah. Do you think? Do you think that how? Because I think a lot of this, and as it relates to anime specifically, has a lot to do with Japanese culture. Because up until very, very recently, Japanese culture has not been very open to the idea of homosexuality, at least not displayed publicly. I guess. Hard to say because, like, the, the Japanese... The thing with Japan is that a lot of their media ha- uh, contains uh, homoerotica, but, um, like, in their private life, they don't endorse uh, homosexuality. So... And there's a lot of anime that... There's a lot of uh, queer baits anime that don't actually follow through with, like... Because a lot of queer bait anime have the problem with heteronormativity in that they bait a queer ship when, and then they make it canon that there's a straight ship in there, like case in point, Hibike Euphonium, where they're, uh, they really develop a really nice queer ship between Reina and Kumiko, but then the canon ship is Kumiko and Shuichi, and like, who's Shuichi? He's like <laughs> that guy that gets like, two minutes of screen time for the 13 episodes. Who cares about him? We care about Reina and her sparkly eyes and her flowing dress. Girl. Obviously. (laughs) I I gotta ask, for you personally, is that... Number one, is that frustrating when that happens? Yes, but like not really because I'm used to it, but if... uh, But like, it is frustrating. Yeah. Now I gotta ask: Would it be even more frustrating if, for example, there were not any alternative? Where, in a sense, they queer baited you into this relationship, and then, like, very close to the end, they just said, "Nah, not gonna happen." And then they're like, "There's not even an alternative. There's just no relationship whatsoever." But that, like, see, I just think I don't. I want to be offended because that happens a lot with straight relationships in anime too, where they just like they bait the straight relationship, and they never, that never happens. Yeah. It's just like a Japanese thing. I don't know. Or maybe it's just bad writing. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Maybe. Um But like it just it just becomes like you're throwing dirt into the wound when it's like you queer bait and then you make it canon that there's a straight ship that doesn't make any sense and I'm like, What the hell? Where did this come from? Yeah, it's like it's like fucking scalding hot water on your skin. It's like, no, why did you do this? Why did you even set this up from the beginning in the first place? Um, now, see, the 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 opposite side of that, the whole Japanese culture thing, is that it's. I think it could also be a numbers game because if you think about it, a large majority of the human race are either a heterosexual or b bisexual. So there's not a lot. Of, I, I don't mean this. I don't say this to like rile anybody up. It's like it's it's literally the truth. I mean that's the definition of a minority. Um, but do you think that, that has something to do with it too? Because a lot of these writers, presumably, are either straight or bisexual as well. And is is it something where they're just writing what they personally know? Wait, why are you including bisexual in the majority? I, I'm because not saying bisexual that they are applies. I'm saying to that straight? I'm saying that people are. I most okay. people are either heterosexual or bisexual. One or I the see. other. I see what you mean now. In that a straight ship, a quote unquote straight ship, the both the any of the members of the straight ship could be bi. I see what mm-hmm. you mean. Yeah. Um. So, okay. First of all, um, although this isn't really a point, I would just like to point out that um the data on who is homosexual and who is bi and who's heterosexual is unreliable because um, it relies on self-reporting I yeah know. and a lot of people are in the closet um for various reasons 
And but like just ignoring that um, whole thing, which is a weak point in itself, because even if they were reporting, I would tend to agree that I would think that they would be a minority. Uh, homosexuals would be a minority, I would assume. Um, but the whole thing is that this is fiction and it has no obligation to reflect reality. Like most of anime incorporates supernatural elements, even if the story has nothing to do with supernatural elements. Like even if it's a slice of life, you know there's going to be that one kid that flies. Like you know there's <laughs> going to be that one kid that reads minds. Like it just can't. There's just supernatural elements everywhere. And you know why? Because it's fiction. Because it can be. It, it's different from real life because this medium gives the opportunity to do that. So I, I think that point is moot because um, it's this, this isn't a documentary. This is fiction. You can write whatever you want. And it would make sense to write a story that uh, has better chemistry and better flow um, than to not write one and make it straight. I'm still, I I generally agree with you. I'm still waiting for someone to start flying in K-On, though. Girl. <laughs> I haven't seen K-On. Maybe they do fly. Uh, I'd believe K- it. K-On's actually a really good example of this because K-On is, has a, uh, it's a pretty, it's an all-female cast. And um, there's lots of hints that there could be some, like sexual uh uh chemistry between a couple of the characters and not only does it not happen like there's no alternative obviously but it never happens so it's like they're really good friends and they just like teasing each other and it's like eh, i think there's a little scissoring going on <laughs> oh my <laughs> that show just from the art style alone looks uh very pg <laughs> oh, it is. It's it's very pure and whole. The entire show is pure and wholesome. Like, there's not a nary a, like a sex joke or anything to be had in in Kaon. Uh, it's, it's part of its appeal. I would I would argue, um, but I think you see the same thing in a lot of of shows where um, there isn't really any kind of either gay or you know heterosexual ships at all. Like um, in um, uh, Haikyuu is a good example. Like, like Haikyuu fans ship all of the characters in Haikyuu together in various ways, but none of them are canon because there really isn't a canon ship in Haikyuu. No, I haven't seen it yet, but I feel like they introduced the female character in season two, the female manager, for a reason. I so you're saying I- that down the, down the line that could be? I don't know. I don't know. It might be. Hmm. We'll see. But I mean that's kind of the same thing, like the thing with chaos and the thing. It's just you know when ones with guys, ones with girls. Like it's uh, the fan base can just say whatever it wants, but it's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Does that actually does that play into heteronormativity, or do you think that that's just uh, an example of a story that doesn't need any kind of romantic element to it at all? Um, it's hard to say. I don't know what is the reason for people to ship things in the first place. Maybe they ship it because you didn't provide it to them uh, immediate, uh, in the first place. So, like, maybe it did require romance because people are shipping it. I don't know. See, I have this theory that... And I have to go on a slight tangent here. So, something that has irked me, it's, it's kind of my pet peeve recently about a lot of modern fiction. And when I say modern, I mean, like... A lot of fiction that's been written in the last 15 to 20 years, um, and it doesn't necessarily just relate to anime, but one of my pet peeves is that so many writers seem to believe that every kind of story, no matter what kind of story it is you're trying to tell, it can be an action show, it can be a horror, it can be a science fiction show, doesn't matter. It has to have some kind of romance element in in it, whether it's between some main characters or some side characters. It has to have a romance subplot somewhere. And I am of the firm belief that not every story out there has to have a romance subplot. Some stories can be told without any romance whatsoever, and they can still be really good. I forgot where I was going with this. I don't think that's a modern trope. Isn't that like just a general problem or a problem? That's a general trend in fiction. I've certainly noticed it a lot more 
uh, of stuff that's come out within the last 20 years. Like, of stuff that is not, ex- you know, like, explicitly a romance story. I don't know. I feel like that applies to most stories. Old or I- new. <sighs> Maybe it is. Maybe it's an ongoing problem with human storytelling that actually needs to be addressed. I don't know. Um, I feel like it's there. I mean, I I understand because like sometimes injecting romance into like a non romantic plot is kind of awkward, and then it just sticks out like a sore thumb, and it's like, why'd you have to do that? So I see where you're coming from, but at the same time, I feel like romance is like a core part of like being a person. Uh, or a human no uh no offense to the asexual people or the aromantic people <laughs> but i feel like most people um a core a core uh aspect of the human experience is romance so i feel like that's why there's so many romantic subplots in stories that don't otherwise have to do with romance so that it's like more relatable uh or yeah. more engaging and i think i think that um a romantic subplot can enhance your story but it not it doesn't always it does like it doesn't always um the way that it is put into a lot of stories does not always help the story um yeah especially if it's injected as like an afterthought midway through the story yeah if it's poorly done then it's obviously gonna be uh disruptive and i'm not i'm not saying that you have to like sit there before you start a story and lay out every single intricate like detail of every character's motivations from the beginning before you start writing you don't have to do that you should get a lot of the personality types down before you start writing but you don't have to get all those like threads together all in in a line right before you start writing but you should have like an idea in your mind if there if a romance is going to develop how it's going to develop and where it's going to develop and who's going to develop between and you shouldn't just inject that midway through because you start realizing that oh your fans might actually like it if these two characters got together yeah i'm always i'm also thinking that like if you want to fully develop a character then i feel like you have to include romance um because like that would be like if you want to fully show what a character does like from the beginning of the story to the end of the story you know romance is probably going to be involved somewhere in there so Especially if it's a like a long form story where you're yeah. watching a character over a long period of their life. Yeah. Um, like, I, I remember where I was going with that whole tangent when I started it now. So I have a theory about um about why this happens in anime a lot. Go ahead. Where um there seems to be a, like romance subplots injected into stories that don't need them. I think it have I'm not saying this is the only reason it happens, but I think this is this is a definite major contributor. I think it's done in a lot of genres which don't appeal to women to get them to start reading or watching what they're you know what the story. Oh girl. We're going to go <laughs> Wait, what was the last episode we did together? I feel like we talked about this. But when we did the debate, <laughs> Yes, going back to back to girls like romance and boys like action. But um, can you think of any off the top of your head where there's like a forced subplot of romance when it doesn't need to be there? I I can think of one when it starts to happen right off the bat. It's not even like injected midway through the story, and that's Naruto. I think that the entire like point of at the beginning of Naruto with uh, Sakura loving Sasuke so much, even though Sasuke couldn't give two shits, is was to get was to get women to read it, was to give some women something to look at and say, "Aw, yeah." And look how many women give a fuck about Sakura. Zero. <laughs> I think it might have had the like uh, it might have backfired slightly with Naruto, but I think that was the intent behind Listen, that. If you want to appeal to women, get them gay ships, honey. <laughs> No, if you want to appeal to Fujoshi, get them gay ships. Get some pretty boys Wait, with some gay ships. I thought all women otaku were Fujoshi. Oops. Uh, I'm wow. being facetious. Please don't come for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I just have that theory that it's done a lot in, in Japanese media to attract a more female readership or viewership. That doesn't really make sense because 
it's a prime like they are going for shonen like in a like for naruto main demographic shonen why would you inject like a side character that maybe appeals to women when your main demographic is like literally on the cover of your magazine is shonen it would make sense from a financial point to just do every aspect of the story for the for the boys so it doesn't really make to me it doesn't make sense to have like a side little thing little uh plot just to appeal to a demographic that you aren't even going for in the first place um i would explain i still think that the the romance is injected in there because like all people even men oh my god <laughs> appreciate romance because it's part of human nature but um, i mean i i agree with you i think they appreciate it in different ways though oh honey i, I know what you're trying to say <laughs> I'm just saying that women in general tend to appreciate these slow romantic approach, whereas men are like, get in there! Uh-huh, okay, sure. <laughs> I'll let you have that point. I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna contest you. <laughs> so, we're getting back to the anime industry and, and heteronormativity. Do you think that in the last decade or so that the industry has become more open to this idea of non-heteronormativity? oh god that's a confusing question um that's a double or, negative i know it? <laughs> it is kind of non i don't know it's it's the best work i can think of like less heteronormative i don't know well like most of the examples i'm thinking of are recent it's not like i can really think of older examples because i only watch recent stuff because i'm that bitch but <laughs> um no, I don't think there's... If you're thinking... Okay, I can see why you've posed this question. And the glaring elephant in the room is Yuri on Ice, which yes, is... Yes, that's exactly Quote-unquote, progressive. Oh, my God. It's a gay canon ship. Oh, my God, so progressive. I don't think it's progressive because it's not canon. Because they didn't kiss and they never said they were gay. And they Fuck never you. said they were no, in a relationship. No, 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 I will so not was let it you canon? Was it canon? Who knows? I will, it's no, not. I, will, I will not let you have this because, <laughs> because Kubo Sensei said that in that scene at the end of the f- fucking thing, they kissed. When Kubo the arc was in the way, they kissed. It, the creator said it, so it must be true. <laughs> that's not how that's not how fiction works, girl. <laughs> if the creator said Yuri was a fucking jaguar, would that make sense? No. Okay? If it doesn't appear in the fiction itself, it ain't canon. And so it's not. Anyway, back to the actual question. Do I think heteronormativity still applies to the modern era? Definitely, because the only... <laughs> the only uh, homo-normativity... Or the only homosexual content that we're getting is bait that they don't want to go all in and make it canon. <coughs> Yuri on Ice. Or... Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Or... Uh, really trashy, uh, borderline hentai shows like, oh god, I'm thinking of, uh, oh god, what like Hitori Jime My Hero or like, oh god, what is that big one, Junjo Romantica? Like, oh, is that Junjo not Romantica? like, isn't that, oh isn't that not literally a hentai? Okay, you know what? It should be a hentai. Or am I thinking of a different one? No, I'm pretty sure there's sex scenes in Junjo Romantica. I, I, I don't remember. I think so. I think so. But anyways, uh, it's either this that? hentai bullshit that does <laughs> that is not an actual story, or it's this queer bait that they don't want to actually make canon. So, no. What was that show <laughs> that came out in, um, was it 2015? I'm, oh, God, I can't remember what it was called now. That I absolutely hated. Like, I hated it so much. I can't for the life of me remember what it was called now. Um, what was it about? What's some? It, it was, uh, it was like a Yuri. It was like a Yuri bait show. Yuri Kumarashi. Um, no, uh, it was about the like that the girl. The girl are like magical girls, but the only way their powers can activate is by having Valkyrie Drive Mermaid. That's what it was called. <laughs> uh, it's about girls who they're magical girls, but the only way their powers can activate is if they have an orgasm. Oh, honey, is it a lesbian orgasm or a straight yes, orgasm? Yes, because it's a full of it's a fucking show full of women, and it's made by Arms, of course, who are a company that makes almost nothing but hentai. Yeah. So no, no, 
no no homosexual no good homosexual uh content here i mean obviously you have the example that you mentioned like, like a hentai like of course there's always been like gay hentai no but like okay i'm saying hentai but i mean like Junjo romantica is not a hentai it is a tv show but it is basically a hentai because <laughs> it doesn't really care about the plot it just cares about the boys being shoved into the other boys so <laughs> i mean that has its place but like <laughs> listen i can i can have a good boy shoved into another boy um on the occasional uh time here and there but say, be careful know, where you're going with but, this. But you know, if I'm talking about like actual engaging stories that are interesting and like make me think and make me care about the characters, you know, I'm not gonna look at hentai because that's not just like no. And there's not much anime that does that that is homosexual that has homosexual characters. So I know it's there is there's it's very heteronormative. I think still in anime. What about Scum's Wish? Scum's Wish is a good choice. I think that the homosexual character is pretty good. You don't think it's portrayed that. just for the sake of having a homosexual character and they're like, there's an actual point to um, her being there? I don't think there's a point to her being there, but I think that, like, she could have been a boy, but she's a girl. Like, I'd, like her gender didn't really matter. Like, um... If they didn't. I don't think they made it like a big deal that like she's a woman and this is a lesbian thing. Um, it's like it was. It was like it was any other relationship, so it was fine. I just love that meme that came out of that. It's like, <laughs> but I'm straight, so is spaghetti until it's wet. Oh my god! Such a, <laughs> such a sad person. <laughs> Fuck you. I just I love that shit. Um I I thought that Scum's Wish was actually a really a really good way to portray like a character who was like legitimately like a lesbian character. Um I I thought it was done well. I thought it was it did really good service to the story too. And I, at the end of the day that's what this is about, actually doing good service to the story that you're telling. Um I wouldn't like yeah. Like I said, I didn't think it was um it made a point that she was a lesbian, but I don't think they made it made her I don't think it was a bad portrayal either. I think it was a neutral portrayal. So, I'm I'm okay with that. So, um, do you actually think that the main character of Scum's Wish, the main female character of Scum's Wish is actually like bisexual? I would say she is because the way she reacted to the lesbian character was like she was considering it. I feel like she was considering it. She certainly didn't say no. <laughs> well, let's not go there. <laughs> she there was some issues with that relationship, um, and consent was very iffy. But <laughs> yeah, iffy. But uh, uh, she she seemed to be on the fence. So I feel like she has like some inkling, some some. Uh, some uh, lesbian inklings in her. Certainly, I think you could definitely classify her as being bi curious. Honey, who isn't? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, so, before we get into talking about four ships, because this is going to be a minefield, <laughs> I want to ask: is is the idea of heteronormativity in anime and manga specifically bad? Is it like a bad thing? Is the idea of it bad? Theoretically, no. Because um, the main problem with heteronormativity is that um, in practice, the uh, straight ships have poor chemistry. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can write a straight ship that has good chemistry. Like if all the shows were straight and had good chemistry, that would be fine. But they don't. Because um, because that's just how it is. There's a lot of shows where they do really shitty straight ships and, you know, the gay ships in those shows would have been better. Um, so really the main... no ship. Sure. Um, but really the main issue that we're bringing up in this particular discussion is not the fact... We're not... Well, I'm not talking about gay representation. I'm talking about uh, good chemistry and romance. And I feel that 
heteronormativity is a an obstacle to writing good chemistry because a lot of gay ships have good chemistry if you would only make them canon and develop them a little further you would be writing a better story instead of your really shitty straight ship or so, even here's an idea here's an idea to, if you want to actually create some like like um relationship tension i guess is what you would call it make one of the characters gay and the other one straight that way when one of them goes for it, the other one's like i don't swing that way i guess I, I don't think that would be interesting to to watch though kind of be i don't know maybe it depends on how you frame it i think it, i think it could be um I mean, it could lead to the end of a friendship what <laughs> think about it now think about it think about it if, if you're friends with someone and then one of them if, or if you're friends with someone and the other person turns out to be gay and you're obviously the same gender obviously you know and the other person turns out to be gay and they say that they like you but you're not you're straight that could put some strain on your friendship that's called homophobia no <laughs> um, <laughs> um but, I mean, no. you see what i'm saying <laughs> Like, it could put strain on a friendship. Yeah, it could. Um, but I think I think you definitely hit on it. the The whole point of this is not about like you know gay representation or you know the LGBT community being represented you know in in anime because I think there are representations of that in anime that you can find uh, for good and for bad. There are some really bad representations of gay characters in anime. I won't lie. Uh, Leron from uh, Gurren Logan is a really good example of a very badly portrayed gay character. Um, but I think it, it all comes down to the way you tell your story and you have to frame it in such a way as to where the relationship that you're trying to frame into this story makes sense. If you're trying, if you're trying to force two characters together that have little to no chemistry, it's not going to, first of all, the ship is going to be terrible and it's going to, it's going to be to the detriment of the story you're trying to tell, whether that's as a romance story or as a subplot. Yeah, and the more you try and force it, the more you're gonna push people away. I guess the more you're gonna <laughs> fan the flames of the ship wars. That's well, that for sure. Um, That's how you get death threats on Twitter, honey. Oh, honey, looking at you, Tokyo Ghoul, looking at you. <laughs> what about Evangelion? We've been talking about this ship for what twenty three years now, twenty four. What? What do you the mean? The whole shipping wars in Evangelion, which is so stupid. I don't know what words you're talking about. I didn't even uh, know Evangelion is still alive. It hasn't it crusted uh, over? It's been 20 uh, years. 30. It's been more than 20 40. years. <laughs> All right. So obviously a lot of this, um, a lot of these kind of heteronormative things can lead to some Wait, more ships. I'm so confused though. Because like, what? there's no canon ship in Evangelion, right? Or am I wrong? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> this, this will lead us into what we're going to talk about here. So... Evangelion is a really interesting interesting anime to, to talk about this with because after the fact, um, the creator of Evangelion came out and he said that Shinji is in fact bisexual. And he actually did have feelings for Kaoru. Girl, I didn't need the creator to say that for me to know that, honey. I know. It's like that's my thought too. It's like, you know we all knew that by watching the show, right? <laughs> um but a lot of people seem to think that he's only interested in Asuka because Asuka's the one that mistreats him the most. It's like, how much do you think Shinji is? Shinji is screwed up, but how screwed up do you really think he is? <laughs> um, but like I said, this leads us into what we're going to talk about here. So the heteronormative thing leads to a lot of force shipping in anime and manga. And I think we want to go over some of our examples of force ships and how it relates to this. So uh, you wrote a lot down. Oh, God. Uh, I don't want to go through all of them, but... Um... We'll pick out a couple here that are really good. I think you should definitely... We should talk about the L LWA one. Okay, so Little Witch Academia is a mostly female cast, and there's only one, uh, like actually relevant male character and lo and behold the only male character that's relevant is the love interest of the main heroine <gasps> what coincidence i think not <laughs> i guess not <laughs> anyway so yeah like akko the main heroine is shipped canonically with andrew um the only male character uh <laughs> The only relevant male character. There I are like other male characters that do appear, but he's the only one that's got any lines. Yeah, like, the the ship is just like, 
Oh, I see a tall man. Oh my god, my ovaries are overdriving. <laughs> oh my god. ovaries. Oh my god, this ship is meant to be. That is literally the entire ship. There's no chemistry. Okay. The <laughs> I would say that they the um the writers are um losing out on the proper ship of the show which should have been uh Diane and Akko because you know they have a great rivalry. They have a great back and forth. There's a lot of tension. Um, and I think they have a good, uh, good chemistry there. Um, whereas with Andrew, there's really no chemistry at all. She doesn't know Andrew at all. It's basically like Andrew is an infatuation that really has no depth to it. And Deanne is like the prime choice that you should go for. And that I feel I- like that's a, with a lot of shows in general that this, that have this problem is that like, you know, there's no there's no chemistry with the uh one token character of the other sex and that's the four ship because heteronormativity. So, yeah. I actually agree with almost everything you said, surprisingly. Um I definitely think that the only the, the ship that should have been definitely was Diane and Akko. Um I mean there were there were other ships that should have been in that show too, let's be honest. Um as much as Susie was experimenting on Lote, they should have been a couple Oh my, too. oh my. <laughs> that is a metaphorical innuendo right there. Experimentation. Oh my. <laughs> also, there's a scene, there's a, there is a scene where Lote just stares at Ago's ass for some reason. <laughs> that meme. I love it though. I love oh, it. Oh God. Um, so I want to talk about something. I actually didn't write this down. Someone else on the podcast who didn't manage to fucking show up for this podcast did. So I kind of agree and I kind of don't. Uh, first of all, Sword Art Online is bullshit. You shouldn't watch it at all. But the main ship, the canon ship in that show, is Kirito and Asuna. Now, um, I think... Here's my problem with it. My, my Is it a force ship... You can certainly make the case that it is. The case that I would make for it being a force ship is this. You could literally pair Kirito with any other female character in SAO, and the story wouldn't change at all. That's my case for making it a force ship. On the other hand, on the other hand, I can also see the other side of it as to where, well, it's the only one that makes sense for him to hook up with because it's like it's the one he found first. Is it? I don't know. It's a very, oh. it's a very weak case. I know, but Sao is not worth my time. Oh my god, that's such investing. a trope where like the first woman you see in a harem is the one that ends up with MC. Funny enough, that's how most harems end up. Yeah. <laughs> the first girl, the first girl that becomes part of the harem, ends up being the one that gets chosen. Hey, Although early... that doesn't seem to be the case in reverse harems. Early bird gets the worm. What can I say? Yeah. Um. But do you would you actually classify that as a force ship though? I would say okay. First of all, um, it's hard to have this discussion um, in re- in uh, regards to Sao because it has nothing to do with heteronormativity. Because Kirito is not there's no gay ship with Kirito that has any chemistry, at least not yet. I'm looking at you, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yep. season three. Maybe there is one there, but uh, not yet. <laughs> the only reason you say that is because he's a fucking Shota. Um, I didn't know he was going to be a Shota. All I know, all I knew was that I've seen Yu-Gi-Oh! and Kirito art since like season one. And I've been like, why was he not in season one? Where is my, uh, where is my homoerotica? I need it. Um, that's all I, that's all I know. But anyways, um, do I think Kirito and Asuna is a fourth ship regardless of heteronormativity? I mean, I think it's a badly written ship. I think most of SAO is badly written. But, (laughs) but I think it's the best. See, I can understand why the writer wanted to go with Asuna because like he, I can see that the writer wanted Asuna to be like, not a not a foil to Kirito, but like the like a clone. <laughs> Asuna is the female version of Kirito in See, and, and that's, that's that's one of my in, biggest problems with this in the in the author's mind. And that's I can right. that's why I can see the uh, the author wanted to pair them together. 
This is like, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. That's one of my biggest problems with SAO is that Asuna is introduced as is supposed to be introduced as a foil for Kirito and becomes anything but. She becomes the doting fucking girlfriend that can't do anything without her husbando. Yeah, up until their marriage, that it would have been a good chip, but then after the literally the point where they where they like reclude, go and go into the woods and go uh, make a baby Yui and like live in their cabin at that point she just becomes a housewife like literally instant 180 from warrior woman to housewife and then she never she never reverted back to warrior woman she's just like i bake bread now (laughs) i I do not uh slice bread i bake it (laughs) i think that the freudian slip you had when you were describing this to me beforehand was a lot better Uh, so, her, no, for those who aren't in on the joke, he, he he was describing this exactly how he just said it, but instead of bread breaker, he said bed breaker. Yeah, <laughs> she thinking, she bakes bread and she, she breaks is. bed. What can I say? What 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 more do you want from a woman? I mean, that's not. I can't ask for anything more. That than is one so will sexist. Break my bed. Please, I'm not. It's a joke. Okay. Anyways, <clears throat> all right. So. Do you want to talk about the MHA one? Because I think yeah, that's, that's one like that a lot the of most can... hot topic one. Okay, <laughs> I think a lot of people so... can relate to this, even though I don't give two shit. What? Okay, I feel like everyone is gonna disagree with me, but <laughs> um, there's a in uh in My Hero Academia, um, the clear ship that the is uh being shoved in our throats is Deku and Uraraka. Um, we could tell from season one that that was gonna happen, and uh. Yeah. Oh my but, god, there's a girl here. I can't talk anymore. I know. Like, he doesn't do that with any of the other girls, right? Not that I can remember. I but don't think I've so. I've only seen five episodes of the show like, and thirty chapters of the of the manga, so I don't remember him being like a fucking idiot in front of any of the other girls. And I'm like, this is how you're gonna make chemistry between the male and the female. Uh, uh, I guess leads. She's not really a lead, but like between the mc and the ma- the main love interest you're gonna make chemistry by making him a blabbering idiot around her that is really really interesting and riveting and you know that is so that's such a great way to develop it no no it isn't it's stupid <laughs> <laughs> it's like they have no connection they have no they have no chemistry at all like it's so bad and i would say that um the person he has most chemistry that deku has most chemistry with is obviously bakugo um yeah they they have a really bad chemistry but it is a chemistry and like there's a really deep relationship there that can be developed into something more whereas there's like no relationship with uraraka like among all of the characters in mha deku has the most uh dynamic with Bakugo. So to me it would only make sense for that to develop that relationship further whereas Uraraka just doesn't make sense at all because you know her the only thing going for her is that she's a woman. That's literally the only thing going for her that makes her available to Deku. And like that's the problem that I'm getting at with heteronormativity is that like the only quality that counts towards the chemistry here is her status as a woman. Which is really, really stupid writing and really boring. Um, and it would make more sense if he actually, uh, there was a romance that further developed with a character that he has better dynamic with. So I think this is a really prime example of the problems of heteronormativity. Yeah. Um, I know that, especially recently, if you show fan art of Bakugo fucking Uraraka, people get upset. <laughs> Oh, honey, that's the best cuck. <laughs> You're not going to give me my gay ship? We're going to have a cuck ship. <laughs> oh, man. Could you imagine, like, the, the, the author of, of MHJ seeing that and is like, hmm, I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> be such a, that's a good troll, though. I like Y'all that complaining, troll. I'll show you complaining. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Oh man! Everything else she wrote that I have not seen except for Black Clover. Please don't talk about Black Clover. I can't. Black stand Clover, this show. best shonen ever, better than MHA. Um, it doesn't. Let's be honest. It doesn't take that much to be better than MHA. <laughs> oh, honey, it's not better than MHA. Who am I kidding? <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, we don't have to talk about any. I don't think they're. I think that the rest of the examples we have are pretty niche. Um, I think the thing about MHA kind of illustrates a lot of uh, examples of trying to write romance into shonen, though. Yeah, I feel that shonen is a uh, a big problem uh, for heteronormativity because uh, in a lot of shonen, like we talked about Naruto and now MHA, um, they just insert some random female character that has no um, chemistry with the MC, and then that's their main love interest. So I, f- I see that pattern a lot in shonen. And it all, almost always happens to be the first female that the main character comes across. Well, I don't know. Or or the childhood friend. Good old childhood friend. Who can blame yeah. her? <laughs> I don't know. It, just, it seems to be a she running called, theme. Hey, she called dibs first. Okay. <laughs> exactly. It, it, do, it does seem to be a really running theme in shonen writing, though. And, and I almost think that a lot of, uh, a lot of shonen writers just think about these romances so far <laughs> after the fact that they've planned out everything else as to where it just, it's so off-putting. You know, I was I was saying how this is fiction and doesn't have to reflect life. You know what? I take that back. This reflects life because it reflects a male point of view that all women have no chemistry. They're just there <laughs> to be there. And that wow, is that's... the patriarchal view of anime now. <laughs> wow. Um, on that note, I think that's actually the best possible part. We should get in this. You screaming patriarchy. <laughs> Fuck the patriarchy! <laughs> oh my god, no, please. Direct all your angry comments at him, not me. <laughs> so thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Discord server, become a member of our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our website. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns of this or any email, feel free to shoot us an email. Links to all of these things will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, show. Good night. You know what? What? Girls can't love girls. Girls can't love girls. Girls can't love girls. I don't get it. (laughs) That's a fucking Madoka Magica reference. I've seen Madoka. I still don't get it. Never mind. (laughs) Come on!